The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Join Bloomberg in San Francisco or virtually on May 7th for The Future Investor, Data-Powered Transformations. This 2024 event series will examine how data is not only playing a pivotal role in investment decisions, but serves as a driving force behind the construction of innovative, investable enterprises. This series is proudly sponsored by Invesco QQQ. Register at BloombergLive.com slash FutureInvestor slash radio. Let's get to our guest. Gaurav Malik is with us. He is the chief investment strategist at State Street Global Advisors. He's on the line from Boston. Gaurav, thanks for being with us. We've been dealing with the inversion of the yield curve in the States for some time. Obviously, a lot of the conversation has focused on recession. It seems perhaps inevitable at this juncture. I think we need to address the timing and the severity. Do you have a view on this? I think that if it is a recession, it's likely to be a mild recession. So I think we will see something um, happen in the first half of next year. It won't be across the globe, uh, but I think we can expect it for sure in the Eurozone and maybe a mild recession in the in the U.S. We think that the pace which with the Fed has tightened and how it's showing up in both the inflation numbers and the anticipated growth slowdown will perhaps cause the Fed to shift more towards cutting rates. So it won't be a situation where you start seeing a sign of recession, rates are still being held really tight, but in stagflation, consequently, the recession becomes more worse. So I think a mild recession would be what we would expect. We saw markets kind of going sideways in the US today, uh, potentially holding off for the wise words of Jay Powell. Uh, what are you anticipating to hear? More of the same in terms of the reality check that we've had from other Fed speakers this week? I think so. I don't think that they will. I mean, you know, when I start looking at both uh, Bloomberg's own financial conditions index, you can see that in the last month it's moved up dramatically, right? We've seen financial conditions loosen a lot in the last last month already. So I don't see them uh, changing the language dramatically, still sticking to uh, being worried about inflation. Much like last time, you will see something being said about growth concerns. Uh, or the fact that they are seeing some of the slowdown or the fact that with the lag is going to show up. So I think that language you can expect. But I think they're going to pretty still hold a pretty firm line on inflation, especially with the losing we've seen, the move up in markets. I mean, all those are signs that investors are perhaps getting ahead of where the Fed wants them to be. So for embracing this notion of softer growth, maybe a shallow or a mild recession, do you want to avoid the equity market right now and look at what's happening in fixed income? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I think that um, I know we've had a quite a strong rally. Uh, and very honestly, I think if you were asking us, uh, as we were thinking about 2023, if you were asking us in October, November, we'd be telling you that what played out in the last two weeks, something we expect to play out over the next 12 to 18 months. So sort of from call it Jan 2023 till, say, the first quarter of 2024. And it all played out in two weeks time. Uh, so I think uh, a dip back in equities, sort of treating this as more of a bear market rally, that would not surprise me. And multiples of like 18 on the S&P or global markets trading at MSCI World trading at 15.9 or 16. I think that's a bit ahead uh, of where it should be if Fed fund rates is something in that four or five range, right? And likely to sustain for at least the first half of next year. 
So I think uh, a dip back in markets would absolutely not surprise us. Um, however, for it to go beyond the levels we saw, say the lows of June um, of this year, I think that's a bit more challenging, um, given our, our view that this is going to be a, a shallow recession. Gaurav, I want to turn our attention to China now. Um, all but the most optimistic uh, would have expected a somewhat uh, bumpy exit from COVID zero settings. But when you run your eye across the landscape in China right now, is it wise to sit on the sidelines or are there still some relatively risk-free opportunities to be taken? I, I still think that even though we're optimistic, I still think it's, it's good to wait for a bit. I think as we look at um, what could occur over next year, uh, I think March is an important time. So after the Congress meeting, um, I suspect that we will see more reopening occurring um, as it relates to COVID. Uh, and, and really that sets a signal that might really fire up domestic consumption, which in some ways China has not seen the benefit that Europe and US have seen to some extent of this pent up demand that that flowing through into economic growth across the board. Uh, so I would think that, that things get more interesting as you look at it, Q1. The other thing to just keep in mind is what occurs with the, with, with the dollar and what occurs with economic growth in the U.S. Because investors do look to see that as a signal to get into assets outside the U.S., including China. Uh, but from our standpoint, we see sort of encouraging signs on the property front. Uh, as you were talking about, we see encouraging signs that are reopening. And I think, frankly, the regulatory hurdles we've seen around Chinese stocks, I would say those headwinds are abating. Uh, but uh, but we still think it's, it's good to wait for, for a decent first quarter. So e-commerce, consumer discretionary, are those themes that you like right now when you look at China? Yeah, that's absolutely correct, right? That is, we think about that, that whole segment that's been depressed so much, gaming, including that, that those sectors, um, yeah, you know, I mean, again, I don't want to comment on a single company, but just generally saying that if you looked at the portfolio of companies we hold, it was getting difficult to get licenses, approvals for, for new games. And I think that seems to have changed in the last last few months. So encouraging signs that perhaps the worst of the regulation was behind us. Again, thanks for all the surprise, but the worst looks behind us on those, uh, those fronts. So encouraging about, signs. And, yeah. Uh, no, I'm sorry to interrupt. I just wanted um, what you thought of uh, the possible reemergence of supply chain risk, because uh, typically in other countries, as uh, COVID settings are wound back, a lot of employees begin to call in sick and you get a whole new round of disruptions. What are your expectations around that? So I think that that, that could be a risk and that could be an issue to deal with. I was sort of seeing a little bit of that play out right now in, in, in China. But I think that if you look at this on a global basis, this is about the fastest. So sort of looking at things like the New York Fed's Global Supply Chain Pressure Index, we've seen a pretty dramatic easing of supply chain pressures across the board. So it could happen. But I think the risk on incremental and uh, incremental risk is lower now of it having an effect that is likely to flow through across the across the globe. So I think some concerns, but I would say lesser concerns. Uh, you know, if you're asking me this question a year ago, of course, a lot of concerns. But now that we see supply chain pressures increasing, we think inflation is peaking um, under those conditions. I think less concerned. Gaurav, I, I'm looking at North Asia here. We had the uh, industrial mm -hmm. output numbers for not only Japan, but South Korea as well. Both uh, missed. Um, we're looking at negative readings in both cases. Is this North Asia an area to put money to work in, or would you avoid Japan and South Korea right now? 
I mean, Japan has other encouraging signs around it. So, you know, UNB to some extent helps uh, companies. We're seeing a lot more focus on um, governance, corporate governance. That seems to be a little bit better in a world where investors are thirsty for semiconductors and go through more and more of a supply chain reshoring. Some of those trends do tend to benefit uh, Japan. I would say, broadly speaking, uh, developed Asia is a slight overweight for us right now. So as we think about equities in aggregate and underweight, but the largest underweight is in US and large cap, both Europe equities and back equities based on valuation, based on expectation on, on earnings um, and, and really some improving sentiment. Both of those are, are somewhat overweights for us. All right, uh, Gaurav Malik, we'll have to leave it there. But thanks so much for joining us on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Gaurav Malik is Chief Investment Strategist at State Street Global Advisors. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.